If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. We are just kicking off this new season on a topic that I know because I've heard from a lot of you that this is something that many of you are wrestling with, and that is the whole idea of, oh my gosh, I'm starting to question things in my faith and I am panicking. This is something a lot of you guys are talking about, and it's something I personally have wrestled with and been through myself. And so I get it. I so get it. And I want you to know that you're not alone. So this episode is just me opening up and talking about what that part of my journey has been like and some things that I've learned going through it. So we're just kicking off the season with the big old question in the room of what do you do when you just start to not know what you believe anymore or not know what you think about what you were raised with? All the things. We're talking about all of it. Now, I have to give you a little preface to this episode that while I was recording, my little puppy that if you follow me on Instagram, you know Penelope. She is a Shih Tzu Bichon mix and she's just darling, but she um, made herself known in this episode. So um, she, you will hear her in the background and I do apologize for that, but um, you know, I hit record and we just kind of went with it. So if you hear random chewing in the background and noise, it would be my cute little Penelope. So all of that being said, I have to invite all of you, if you have not joined our Facebook group community to jump in because the membership there is just rich. There are such great people inside that group, and I would love for you to get to connect with some of them. So if you'd like to opt in, you can go to my website, just at jesusfollower.com backslash podcast backslash podcast group, and we would love to see your face inside of that community. And also, if you are interested in ways that you can support this show, there are awesome ways you can do that. And that can be found on my website also. You can go to my website and click on the Patreon button. And there's a whole lot of different levels and ways to support the show there. So I can't wait to kick off this new season. We've got a great lineup this season, great guests and great topics and great conversations. So welcome back to the Behind the Mirror podcast season two. Here we go. You guys know I was raised in church. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast or reading my blog at all, you know that most of my life has been sent, spent inside of the Christian majority, the Christian circle, the Christian thing, the mainstream Christian, all of it. And 
there's one thing that I have noticed and, you know, it's really loud inside of mainstream Christianity, but when you're in it, you kind of think it's normal and you don't think anything of it. And you feel a lot of panic when this thing is not in place. And so what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about this idea of having to know it all, having to have an answer for every single thing on planet earth, in any classroom you're in, in any social setting you're in, in any Bible discussion you're in, having to know the answer for everything. And when you're raised in this um, way of thinking in this type of culture where the know-it-alls, if you will, are the ones that are always on the platform and always holding the Bible and always doing all the teaching, you just kind of figure out along the way that that's the goal. The goal is to know it all. The goal is to figure this thing out. The goal is to know God so well and study the scriptures so intensely that you could carry on an argument with the most um, educated spectic on the planet and you would win. Like, that's the goal. And so there's a lot of pressure when you're in an environment like that because truthfully, when you're looking at something like spirituality, there is a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of questions. And when you're looking at a book like the Bible, which is riddled with opposition and riddled with tension and riddled with questions, more questions than answers, figuring out all the answers is like climbing Mount Everest. And yet so many people seem to have done it. So you start thinking it's possible. Okay. So in my journey, I, as I've shared with you guys before, I connected with the divine, with God at a pretty young age. I would say I was hearing God connect and talk to me um, from the time I was a kid. And really that cemented in my teens. And so I just assumed that I was on the right path and that eventually the more I studied the Bible and the more I talked with God, the more answers I would naturally have because the people that seem to have all the answers seem to be pretty, um, gosh, I don't want to use the word bragging. That sounds kind of mean, but, but it did kind of seem that way. Like they, they bragged about how much time they spent with God and how they heard God's voice and they fasted and God revealed himself to them. And so, you know, I thought this is how you crack the code. This is how you figure it out. And there were times when I honestly felt like I had arrived. And I say that now, and I feel so stupid saying that, but when you are in a bubble of an environment where there is only one way of thinking and only one way of doing, I guess that code is kind of easy to crack because you're not really cracking a universal code that applies to the whole universe. You're cracking a code that applies to your group. And when you've managed to crack that, well, you're looked at one of the elite. You're looked as one of the leaders, as one of the ones that other people should go to. And so I think it's natural if you advance yourself inside of a small um, group where their only way of thinking is the only way of thinking, well, then it is kind of easy to figure out all the answers because you start hearing what other people are answering. You start reading all the books that all those people read and you start absorbing all of their knowledge and all of their um, answer books, which, you know, when I was growing up, the whole 
answer the book thing was a big deal. The whole apologetics um, fad really came into into fruition. And so studying those apologetic works and having, you know, really good theological debates, practicing how to have them. And, and I remember being in high school and this pressure being on me to like be able to argue with the atheists and the evolutionists and and have an answer with those who landed more with science than with with faith. And so it this was bred in me. That again, that sounds really weird saying that out loud, but truthfully, it was we were bred to know how to do that. And you know, when I say it like that, it it kind of brings the whole thing front and center, doesn't it? Because that's how armies are made. That's how movements are made. That's how militant forces are created is from the minute the young people know how to think, they're told not to think and told what to think. And I experienced that. That was my whole upbringing. And so I understand how movements like that are formed. And I understand why movements like that are so powerful because you really do empty out your own way of thinking and embrace the majority's voice, the majority's way of processing and thinking. Well, unfortunately for the majority that I was in, I I was never fully able to empty out my own thoughts. I did embrace a lot of where I was told to stand and what I was told to believe. Of course I did. And a lot of that still carries a lot of meaning to me. And there is much of that that is still very prevalent in my faith today. So not all is a loss, but I didn't let go of my own voice. Somehow I didn't. And and I, I learn now that that makes me different and odd because I never could quite figure out why I didn't totally fit in. I never could wrap my head around how much of an outsider I felt when I thought I was doing all the right things. You know, they say, connect with God, find your own connection with him, find your own relationship with him. I did that. I totally did that. And yet the more I did that, the more my voice sounded different than the others. And, and I found myself sitting on the outside. It was, it was weird. And so having my own convictions, my own personal questions, my own wrestlings, if you will, um, pushed me into this camp of not having all the answers. And that's what I want to talk about today. I, I believe that for anybody who was inside of a faith group, specifically an evangelical one or a tightly religious one, not having all the answers is a panicky place to be. And I empathize with that because we are taught that if you don't have the answers, you're going to hell. At least that's that's what I was taught. Um, I was taught that if you cannot say for certain who is God, who is Jesus, what was the cross, what was the resurrection, then you are certainly going to hell. That was the ultimate answer. They They knew that. Somehow they'd cracked that code and they figured that out. And by God, if you didn't have these things figured out, you were in a one-way ticket to hell quickly. Didn't matter. Didn't matter how good of a person you were. Didn't matter any of that. If you didn't have these answers, you were toast. So I made sure I had those answers, right? I think all of us did when you're in that in that group setting and in that um, way of thinking. Nobody wants to displease God. And and I, like I said, this was a 
a quandary for me because I love Jesus and I love God and I know the presence of the divine. I do. And so it was really, really difficult for me to feel like I would do anything that would piss God off because I loved him so much and I, and I knew his presence. And so I tried to avoid all those things that would get me on the outside. But as I said before, I landed in a lot of questions. So when you start landing in questions, when you start having that thing go off in your head, that's like, um, well, I was taught this, but is that really right? Or, um, this was a biggie for me because I do love the Bible. I've made my life's work studying it. So, you know, when people would would say things to me or I was realizing things that I'd been indoctrinated with and I started looking for the Bible to back them up, it was hard to do that. A lot of the things I was taught, I was like, um, Jesus never really said that. So what do we do with that? <laughs> like, I mean, truthfully, I just, I kept running into problems where the majority's stances, the majority's answers for all these things, such as who is God, what was Jesus, what was the cross, what was the resurrection, or um, what is marriage supposed to be, what are the boundaries for sex, what are the boundaries for divorce, what are the boundaries for parenting, what are the boundaries for your social circles, what are the things that you should do with your um evangelizing time, with your witnessing time, with your mission work, those kinds of things. There's so many straight-laced answers that are presented to you, but I I struggled to find them in scripture. Now, I would hear the scriptures given for answers um, and I would go and research them, but then when I studied the context and the culture, they didn't make sense anymore. So I ran into a ton of questions and I'm and I'm not going to divulge all of the questions that I have wrestled with because we would literally be here for like five weeks. So we're going to just going to not do that. But I'm assuming that if you are listening to this podcast, you have run into your own faith questions and most of them center around the unknown. It doesn't matter what topic I were to present you with, what question that you have in your head swirling right now, what question I have in my head right now, we all are going to land in this space of, well, what's the right answer? How do we know what's true? How do we know what's not true? And that's where you can land yourself in a big old pile of panic because we are taught that if we don't have the answer, we're going to burn in hell. We're going to make God angry. We're going to do something to upset the universe and all hope is lost. And so we panic because we have been taught if we do not have the answers, we're out. We're out of God's favor. We're out of God's family. We're out of God's blessing. We're out of the community, whatever. It's like a a one-way ticket to being alone. And that's terrifying. And so... I want to talk a little bit about that, of what what you do with that tension when it happens of facing the unknown. Most of the pastors that I grew up listening to and that I served under as a young adult and as an adult, they, they were very good at having all the answers and they would present all of the answers from the pulpit. And so you grow up looking at these people as the ones who have unlocked 
the mystery. They're the mystery figure outers. They are the ones who have cracked the code. They are the ones who can explain the unexplainable. They are the ones who can make sense of the confusing and and connect all the dots that you scratch your head at night unable to connect. That's what pastors and leadership people were presented as to me, as I'm sure probably to you as well. And so you kind of think that it's um, possible to achieve that if you study the Bible enough, if you listen to all the right speakers, listen to all the right conferences, you do all these right things, right? That you will be able to land in a camp of knowing all the answers. And when I arrived as a pastor myself, as a leader myself, and I started getting hit with all the questions, oh, I realized that, holy crap, pastors are just people. Good God Almighty, all of these leaders that we have put on these huge pedestals where we like run our smoke machines around and like praise and hail their marriages and hail their parenting and and praise their their best-selling books from, you know, the Christian bookstore. These people are just people. They don't have it all figured out. Now it's their job to really believe that they do. But do you really think a human being can outsmart God? Do you really think a human being can crack the mysterious code of God? Do you think that human beings are capable of figuring out how God works, how God thinks, how God moves, what God breathes, what God does, what God wouldn't do, what God would approve of, what God wouldn't approve? No. To say that you know all of that and can predict all of that would be landing yourself in the camp of Pharisees that Jesus dealt with when he walked this planet. And he didn't have anything nice to say about those people. Why? Because they were false. They they were presenting an image that wasn't true. It wasn't that their beliefs were so wackadoodle, although a lot of us would argue that they were. It was the fact that they were presenting something false. They didn't have all the answers but they sure said that they did. They didn't know really who God would approve of and who God wouldn't approve of, but they acted like they did. They didn't know what rules, quote unquote, God would adhere to and wouldn't adhere to, where he would bend, what he would change, what he would say one day to the next, but they paraded themselves as the rule book police for God. See, these are all the things that irritated the living daylights out of Jesus when he interacted with these people. People, mind you, people. Now, they were on a big pedestal. They were very respected, very um, sought after, very quote-unquote wise, right? But they were people. And Jesus didn't seem to do well with the people that pretended to know everything. And so, you know, when you look at his interactions with the Pharisees and then you look at his interactions with people, you can see you can see why he connected with the people instead of with those in the religious majority, those in the religious control group. He couldn't stand them. And so, you know, when I when I think about 
the roles I've had in my life. And I think about the questions that people have come to me with and the questions that truthfully I have had late at night, wrestling, crying out, screaming, right? All the things going, oh my gosh, what is this? Wait, did Noah's Ark really happen? Or Adam and Eve, was that just like a metaphor for something else? Was that real? So I I have had my own years of wrestling, years, most of them done in quiet. Um, some of it you see pop up on my blog when I feel like I maybe have come to some sort of answer of something. But I can't sit here and tell you I have all the answers because I don't. I really don't. And I am finding more and more peace in knowing that I don't. Before it would have freaked me out, before it would have sent me into a panic. And now I find that there's more peace in not knowing. Because when I'm able to tell you that I don't have all the answers about God, that I don't have all of the answers about scripture, that I don't have all of the knowings as to why God would do this and not do this, or why these things happen, why those things don't happen. I I don't know all of it. I don't. I mean, I have my opinions and I have my guesses and my, um, my thoughts, but I certainly don't have an absolute answer for anything anymore. And the peace I'm finding with that comes from this idea that I'm not supposed to. It comes from this idea that maybe, maybe I am not supposed to be on an equal playing field with God. That maybe my role is to be what I am, which is a human being, which means I'm to be. I'm just to be human. So much the problem with, I I believe, with the Christian culture today is that they're not okay just being human. That doesn't sit well with that culture. They really want to be other than. They want to believe that they are somehow on some sort of equal playing field with God. And I don't think any of the people inside of that culture, like myself, when I was immersed in it, would say that I agreed with that, although a part of me kind of secretly would have. A part of me would have kind of secretly felt like, well, I have kind of figured the God thing out. God and I are like, on a mission together. Like he's my partner. Like God and I are in a partnership and I, I see things the way God sees things. And I, and I know things the way God knows them because I have now advanced to this an elitist place and position where I do have the authority to say what God would think or not think. And I would have thought that in the most humble of ways, but, but that would have been my secret quiet thought. And I hope that you guys don't like hate me for thinking that. Um, I'm kind of guessing that a lot of people have the same kind of thoughts. Maybe not. Maybe I was alone in that. Um, but here I am now, totally grossed out at the arrogance of that. And it doesn't take long for life to humble that out of you if you let it. Because life is not about absolutes. Life is not about concretes. Life is not about black and whites. Oh my gosh, I wish it were. I 
if I could wave a magic wand and make it that way, I probably would because I am I'm an Enneagram three, if that gives you any clue into that. I, I like I like my things to where I can control them. I do. And so the idea of having an answer for everything is super appealing to me. The idea that I could evolve to a position to know everything about everything makes me feel really happy because I would really be in control and I really wouldn't have to be afraid. But the more I go through life and I face things that are hard and I face things that don't make sense, and I watch natural disasters happen, and I watch families torn apart, and I watch the injustice of the world play out right on our TV screens, on the news. And I, and I look at the pain of so much of this life. And then I look at the joys and the gifts and the blessings and the beauty. And I look at all that and I truthfully have to tell you, I I don't have all the answers and I don't know. And I know that I'm not supposed to anymore. I feel like the closer I've gotten to the divine and the closer I've gotten to really understanding myself, the more peace I'm finding in that God is God and God is love and God is good. And God is for us. And I am me and I am human. And I'm trying my best to be love. I'm trying my best to be for mankind. I'm trying my best to be in this world of people who have all the answers and know-it-alls and people who position themselves as better than everybody else and people who want to say who's in their crowd and who's not in their crowd and um, make people feel less than. I'm trying to be in that world and not of it. I'm trying. But at the end of the day, I'm a human being. And I get bumps and bruises along the way and I get hurt along the way and I get frustrated along the way and I get mad along the way. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to play God anymore. I'm so thankful that someone can ask me a question that's super deep and super theological and I can give my take on it and I can give my opinion. And then at the end of it, I can say, but you know what? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm really okay with that. The people who, who stress out about having to know everything, having to have all the answers and having to say, well, I think, what if God, you know, well, I have to explain away what happened because I need to know why God allowed that person to die or this person to get sick or that person's marriage to fall apart or why, why did God allow, oh, God allowed it for this, for this. And so they, they, they drum up this, this theatrical playwright almost that they write the script for saying exactly why God did what he did, trying to right the wrong of it. When you're constantly trying to excuse God's behavior or what you perceive as God's behavior, maybe, just maybe, you should reevaluate who you think God is. If you find yourself continually trying to have an answer that explains away this bad behavior of God, maybe you should rethink what you think about God altogether. That's where I landed. 
And it was rough. It was bumpy. It was rocky. And, you know, it's weird. I used to think that the people who had all the answers were the um, spiritually woke, the spiritually arrived. And now it's the opposite. (laughs) Funny how life works. Now, people who tell me that they have all the answers, I feel like run as fast as you can the opposite direction because they're either A, trying to sell you something or B, trying to manipulate you and control you. And I have experienced both of that enough to say, no, thank you. I'm all done. Tapping out. I don't want any part of that game. I'm done. So when I encounter someone who admits that they don't know everything, who admits that they are just a human being trying to figure this thing out too, I'm like, oh, oh, you might, you might know some things. I could maybe learn from you. There's so much wisdom in humility and not the false humility like so many people such as modern day Pharisee type people might have or even just open up the Bible and look at the Pharisees there. That, that like fakeness, that fake humility, that fake posturing of yourself to position yourself in a low place, but really you think of yourself pretty damn high. There's, there's an actual real humility that Jesus modeled. And you see that in the way he would even talk. Like He's like, dude, I didn't come here to, to be served. I came here to serve. I didn't come here to be well-liked. I, I came for the people who aren't well-liked. Like That's actually who I'm here for. I didn't come so you could like put a crown on my head and make me your next big political figure. I actually came here knowing that your big political figure would probably crucify me on a cross. I didn't come here to collect all your money and have you like buy me fancy things and parade me around as the next rock star. I came here to to give you what I have. To feed you when you're hungry, to clothe you when you need clothes. To pull up a chair at my table when you don't have a table to sit at. I didn't come here to act better than the untouchable people who you disagree with, their lifestyle choices or their diseases or whatever they have going on that you don't like and don't want to be around. No, I came to touch the leper. I came to embrace the prostitute. Not because I feel sorry for them, but because I actually see them as human beings. We forget that Jesus came as a human being. And I think His humanity is really displayed when you see who he connected with and who he didn't connect with. And gosh, there's so much to be learned in that. He never took a better than approach. He never took an, um, this is, this is how you have to be to be my friend. This is how you have to be to be in. These are the rules. These are the regulations. Like he actually broke a ton of rules, which is what got him in so much hot water. Um, He just showed up as a human. And I think that is where so much of the Christian culture I was a part of failed me, was that they didn't show up as humans. And so I knew not to show up as a human either. And when you can't show up as a human, you have no other option but to show up as a superhuman 
who has all the answers, who knows everything, who's in control of everything, who has God completely like on speed dial, totally figured out. And when you're forced to show up like that, there's no way you can connect as a human being. Human beings are flawed. Human beings have questions. Human beings get scared. Human beings feel alone. Human beings wonder. Human beings are breakable. I think that that was one thing that I I really learned somewhere along the way was that it's okay to be breakable. It's okay to to fall. It's okay to crumble. It's okay to not show up as the script says you have to show up. You know, as you guys know, I I have quite the story of things that didn't show up the way they were supposed to show up. I even wrote my own script, people. Let me just just set this straight that Yes, people wrote scripts for me, but I agreed with the scripts. I signed on to the script and I was like, yes, please, that's me. I will play that role and I will play it the best you've ever seen it played. That's That was how I showed up. And part of that script for me was being a wife and a mom. You know, all I ever wanted when I was little was to have that family, have the husband, have the babies, have the house, have the stuff, like... I wanted that picture. I wanted that partnership. I I longed for that. And two divorces later, you know, one can sit there and go, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I failed the script. I failed the part. I was given a part to play and I completely bombed. I failed it. And I could sit there and there have been days when I have sat there and that included a lot of ice cream. But then there are these other days where I realize, you know, the script that was for me included having my own voice, included having my own way of thinking, my own way of doing. It included me standing up for myself. It included me not being a doormat. It included me being brave and courageous and being a voice for people who didn't have one. And when I exercised that role, other roles had to shift and other roles had to change. And unfortunately, I didn't get the perfect fairy tale marriage ever. I've been married twice and I cannot say that either one of them were what I hoped for or wanted. And it breaks my heart to say that. Um, and I suppose there are the people that hold on to faith and like believe that one day all will be fixed and one day they will actually be in a happy marriage. And they hold out until their dying breath, believing one day God's going to bless them with that. That wasn't the road I chose to walk. Um, life is short. My kids will be grown and out of my home fast. And I wanted them to leave a happy home. So, and I, I wanted to enjoy my short life as best as I could. And I didn't want to live it unhappy and unloved. And so I made some, some tough calls, some hard choices. And when you go through stuff like that and you realize, wow, life isn't how you think it's going to be. 
it it really does change you. It really does um, force you to dig deep and and have those wrestling moments. And after having a ton of those wrestling moments, I landed in the camp of I'm okay not following the script. I'm okay with the script changing. And that's not just my own personal like roadmap for my life and what my life looks like, but that is also for my views, my beliefs, what God is to me, what God isn't to me, all those things, how I relate with scripture, how I relate with, um, with the church and with roles and leaderships and all those things. I'm letting go of this tight grip and I'm holding it all really loosely. And I'm saying, I don't have to be in control of this. I don't have to have all the answers. I can really let go and say, God, I'm along for the ride. So what's changing now? <laughs> like what's new now? Um, change is a beautiful thing and not knowing and being able to not know is an okay thing. So all of that circling around, landing on this point of it's okay for you not to know. It's okay for you to not have all the answers. And in fact, it's okay for you to listen to the answers being told to you and disagree with them. There's this thing inside of you called the divine spirit of God. It's actually like a part of you. I don't know much anymore, but I do know that. I I will hold my hat like on that till the day I die because that's the only thing that I keep coming back to is this moving, breathing thing inside of me that I can't shake and that won't shake me. I'm connected to it and I've learned to let all the rest of it go and hold on to that because when I follow that, I always land right side up. So You have permission to tap into that voice inside of you. You have permission to follow what that voice says, even though all the other voices around you may scream a different language. You have permission to hold on to that voice and wrestle and fight and scream and question and deconstruct and reconstruct as many times as you want to. You have freedom to do that because my sweet friends, You are a human being. So take off all the pressure of having to know everything God knows. Take off all the pressure of having to have this whole theological thing wrapped up with a really pretty bow on it. You get to be a human and humans get to rest. Even God rests. But you get to rest in not having to be the one knowing all of it. You get to just be. On that note, I'm going to land this plane. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Thank you for being a part of this community and being a part of this journey. I love you guys. I love hearing about your journeys and where you are landing in things. And so reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, the Facebook group is an open invitation. So if you are not in that group, we would love to have you. You can opt in on my website, justajesusfollower.com backslash podcast backslash podcast group. Much love to you. Peace. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. 
hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.